Hi, I'm Patrick John Fluger, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Welcome to episode 141 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today, we are going way back in the vault. We're doing a little bit of past and present, though. So the episode we're covering, we're covering Chicago Med, season one, episode nine. This is better known as Will and the DNR, pretty much. Uh, We've played into the present a little bit in that at the end of this episode, you will be able to hear our postmortem covering everything about season five with Chicago Med writers Steve Hoopstein and Jeff Dreyer. So... Uh, you guys know me, as always. My name's Gina. I'm one of our hosts. Uh, Brianna couldn't make it this week, but filling in for her is one of our lovely regular listeners. We love her very much. Her name is Perry. Perry is here. Welcome back, Perry. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. I'm so happy to see you. I haven't seen you or spoken to you in forever, or what feels like forever. Yeah, but it, I think it's forever, like, with the gym, uh, gymnastic season cut off and stuff like this. Like, her regular, like, subjects are, like, off, so I think we didn't have time to catch up. That and all concept of space and time has gone out the window in the past two months. I try not to think about it. <laughs> I know, I know. How are you doing? How's your quarantine? You are up in Canada, so how's it going up there versus how it is down here? Well, it's going like weird because I'm in Quebec which is like the most hit like province Mm -hmm. so it's actually really hard and like our government kind of started to set up restriction and then like back off so it's like yeah it's interesting let's just say interesting I'm staying inside Mm -hmm. respecting the rules and I'm not taking risks because I feel like yeah that's a good thing to do do you guys have to go out wearing masks and all that stuff uh yeah but it's not like mandatory mm-hmm. like did it yeah it's a crazy new world we're living in it is oh my god yeah. yeah yeah for sure so uh we usually start off with the news but i mean we're in the we're in quarantine we're in limbo things are weird right now we don't really have a lot of news the only thing worth mentioning is that in the past couple of days, both Fox and the CW have pushed their scripted shows to 2021. And the word on Twitter, which is nothing official, it's really just fans speculating back and forth, but pretty much everybody expects all of the other major networks to follow suit. So like ABC, Fox, NBC. Um, So we'll see what's going to happen in in the coming days, but um, we're going to have six months worth of content to fill. But uh, it'll be fun kind of brainstorming and seeing how far we can branch out. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy. Have you seen the video like with um, David hosting like the game show? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. We can absolutely talk about that. It was so funny. Like, so yeah, I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So if you guys don't know what Perry's talking about a couple days ago, um, Wolf Entertainment released this YouTube video. And it's basically a bunch of our favorites from one Chicago. They're all on Zoom and they're basically doing Chicago trivia to benefit um, the Chicago Food Bank. Yeah. Okay. Um, And it's all Chicago trivia and it's hilarious. Um, 
It's really funny. Uh, I loved when they were ragging on David and Brian was like, or the question was like, who's more famous, Mike Ditka or David Eigenberg? And Brian doesn't even miss a beat. And he's like, who's the second one? <laughs> My uh, favorite part was when Miranda was asked to spell like um, how many letters was in Chicago. And like, she wanted to count. So she was like, uh, I think you were breaking up. Like. <laughs> It was just funny. Like, it was so I was, good. Yeah. And Nick was just like, good save, Miranda. Good save. They're so funny. Um, I loved when Kara was like, yeah, this is the first time I've put makeup on in six weeks. That's relatable as, as yeah. it can be. Yeah. No makeup has touched this face in like over a month. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I miss it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I miss the not looking like a vampire part. I mean, the professional clothes and everything, like, that's fine. That can stay in my closet. But, you know, everything else, I'm just kind of like, I miss that a little bit. I miss going to bars. Yeah, going out. Uh, yeah. I miss concerts. I, you. I miss sports. Oh, I miss sports so much. I oh, my God. Sports. Don't start me. Yeah. Just... The Olympics. Oh, I think I cried that day. The Olympics. I was like, no. I know. Yeah. And the worst thing is I read a couple weeks ago that they said that if they can't do it in 2021, they're just going to cancel it. Which is, like, insane. Like, I'm thinking of all the gymnasts that, like, won't be able to make it. Simone, oh my, no, I know, no, I know, I know, I know, I know, Perry is a fellow gym nerd, just like myself, yes, there are, there are multiple gym nerds in the world, multiple people who speak fluent gymnastics, um, yeah, just all of the athletes right across the board with all the sports, I just, yeah, that would break my heart, yeah, yeah, so, we digress, uh, that happened, I know when Chicago launched their own official YouTube channel this week, that happened, um did, but is it just like Chicago Fire that they changed the name? Because like when you look for the Chicago Fire uh YouTube channel, it's kind of gone and it's merged into like one Chicago official like YouTube channel. Maybe. Maybe I I honestly have not had the chance to look yet. Um, you know, things are these are weird. Time, space, you know, what day is it again? What's going on? You know, <laughs> even though we're in this situation now where we're all, you know, from home, if we're lucky enough to do so, it's still like, we're still busy and things. And so I haven't had the chance to look yet, um, but I'll have to see what kind of shenanigans they can come up with. But I did see the other day, um, in addition to the Zoom they did for, for charity, Marina and Nick and maybe Miranda were on a Zoom the other day. And I only know this because Marina had posted on her Instagram story. This is what we're, this is what we're going to be doing the next couple months is just kind of taking a very in-depth look at everybody's social media posts and be like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I miss them already. Yeah. Aww. I know. Yeah. I know. It's only been a couple weeks, but well I miss them. But looking back at the episode that we're going to cover today, I was like, oh, my God. It's, like, the growth. The growth. Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. The growth. There's a lot of moments in this episode that we don't talk about enough. Really? I was, like, even shocked to remind myself that this happened. I was like, oh, my God. He was that way? Anyway, we're going to, like, get into it, but. Yeah. 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 So, um, as we said before, we're covering Chicago Med season one, episode nine. Uh, this was Will and the DNR. That's pretty much, you don't even need the episode title, just Will and the DNR. 
but oh my goodness, we had so many things here. We had Connor, we had Reese. Um, what else did we have? Oh, we had Zoe, the pharmaceutical rep. Yes, Dr. Donnie. Oh my god, Dr. Zanetti. Oh, yes, I've totally forgot about her. Same, same. I mean, season one feels like it was 10 years ago, it wasn't, it was what, 2015, not 2015, 2017, but it still feels like a million years ago. It does. Yeah. So, all right. So let's start this episode with the big stuff. Let's just jump right into Will and, and the DNR of doom. I mean. Let's do this. William. Oh my God. Okay. So a patient comes in, she passed out in a coffee shop. We learned that she has end stage lymphoma. Now we are like a minute into this episode, literally, quite literally a minute. And the husband is like, okay, let me pull you outside and tell you something very, very, very important. He could not make this more clear. I mean, he could just walk around with a sign on his chest and that's the only way this could be more evident. But he basically says, okay, listen, she has lymphoma. I'm the power of attorney and she has a DNR. He could yell it from the rooftops. I mean, maybe fly a helicopter around Chicago with it hanging off the back. He makes this so clear. Like, hello, this is the deal. So we're all just like, cool, got it. Okay, great. And it computes to literally everybody except Will. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, fine. Just, you're standing right there. He has made this so abundantly clear, but okay, just let it go one ear and out the other. All right. So Manstead is full Manstead because of course it's season one, they're babies, right? And instead of being like, okay, we understand, they are so judgy. Oh my God, like cringeworthy levels of judgy. Did you pick up on that too? Yeah, but like, I was not surprised. Like it's Manstead. I feel like next to Manstead, they're like judgment. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And I, you, this... This feels so normal coming from them now that we forget that in season one, this was like, what are you doing? You know, in season one, this was shocking. Now we're just like, it's a day that ends in Y. What are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it's so bad. So Natalie pulls up the patient's history. The patient's name is Jennifer. I mean, not that we've, we've, none of us have forgotten this name since season one because it's the story we always come back to is Jennifer Baker. And so Natalie pulls her chart and she's just like, yeah, like she's been through hell the last four years. And again, this just goes right over Will's head. It's just like, doom. And he's like, yeah, but, but a DNR, like has she even thought about her family? Will calm down child like <laughs> my god yeah it's bad like it's it's bad i feel like he's like he's not even this level of judgy now in the present he's toned down the judginess even in like the slightest teeniest bit yeah but we're gonna learn later why he was that judgy you know still doesn't make it okay no it doesn't make it okay but like like i can't understand where he come from like why like i felt like it was projection oh it was big time projection but i mean yeah. a lot of us go through a lot of therapy so that what will does in this episode does not happen to us in our real lives true true but it's will yeah but it's will but it's will. it always comes back to that doesn't it but it's will <laughs> yeah 
So enter Zoe the farmer girl. I completely forgot about her. Um, I did realize that she looked very familiar though. I haven't had the chance to look her up yet, but I'm going to call it and say that she was in a Hallmark Christmas movie that I saw back in December. That's what Let I'm going to check. Yeah. Because she was familiar uh, to me too, but I was like, mm, maybe I'm like mistaking her. A blonde girl? It could be like anyone. <laughs> We're going to see the credit and be like, oh my God, that was her. Yeah. Um, I thought she kind of looked like Annalyn McCord, but I knew she wasn't. Annalyn McCord was never on Chicago Med. Um, but yeah, I think she was in a Hallmark movie that I saw recently. And by recently, I mean, well, no, not even December. Hallmark was airing them back in March when quarantine started. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. So Zoe has a clinical trial that she had mentioned to Will and Will's just like, oh my God, let's do it. And so he's like, no, no, like that it's closed. And so, I mean, you can practically see the moment where Will's God complex just kicks in or not God complex, uh, like his hero complex just kind of kicks in. You see the moment when the flip, like the switch flips. And so Zoe worked some magic. She got Jennifer into the trial and Will is so smug about this. Like there is zero modesty in the scenes that come after this. So you can practically see his like metaphorical cape just like flapping in the wind. It's <laughs> so bad. Perry, did you ever see The Boys on Amazon? No, I haven't. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. For those of you who have seen The Boys, I'll say it like this. Okay, so I just imagine Will standing there kind of like Homelander, just being all smug with like his hands on his hips, being like, I saved the day. But, oh God, it's so bad. So he goes in to tell Miss Baker and she is just less than thrilled. And the way Will delivers this to her, he finishes the sentence as if he's kind of like waiting for praise. He's like, yeah, I got you in and we're going to start this in the morning. And he just kind of pauses. Like he's waiting for Jennifer to be like, oh my God, you're amazing. But it never comes. But it never comes. So... There's even a moment here where Will defers to Natalie for backup. Talk about something we've never seen happen since. I feel like that was a one-off. Like, he's trying to talk her into the trial, and Jennifer's like, no. Like, no. Flat out, no. No. And at a point, Will even just gives up, and Will's just like, Dr. Manning? And Natalie's like, I think we should talk outside. Uh, we've literally never seen this happen again this is never this happened in one scene in season one and never happened at any point since am i am i wrong no you're right yeah yeah just no no yeah and, but also like oh go for it no no but ahead. i was gonna say that like um also natalie like kind of understood like jennifer baker point of view because mm -hmm. like she was like oh she's been through hell so i think like she was like her judgment kind of passed over and she was like, okay, I'm going to respect her wishes. But if she was not as compassionate or maybe like understanding, I think she would have back Will. She was pretty rational in this episode, don't you think? Yeah. But that is a Natalie that I like and I miss. That's that we kind of saw a glimpse in season five, but like, I think from like two to four, I kind of miss that Natalie. I feel like, I feel like this, the Natalie we saw in this episode was kind of a one-off. I feel like we haven't seen her, we haven't seen her more rational side in the seasons that have come since. No, I think she kind of forgot about it. But like in season one, she was, and she was taking risks. 
well, we're gonna like continue, but like you know when they have their second argue uh, argument, like I was like, yeah, you go, girl, tell him. I forgot she called him out in this episode, and I'm glad she did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Natalie, man. Yeah, I feel like you know how some shows though in the early seasons they kind of have to find their footing and iron out the kinks. Like I feel like season one of Fire was like that, where. They bounced around a lot in season one of Fire, but it's just because they were trying to find their footing. And once they found yeah. it, it was smooth sailing. I feel like that might have been what was going on here is that they were still trying to find their footing. And so they were kind of experimenting with Natalie and being like, does she be more rational? Is she more emotionally driven? How do we work this? And so maybe that's why we saw this side of Natalie that we don't see now. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. I do not know. So, uh, yeah. And so... Will defers to Natalie for backup. He doesn't get what he wants to hear, and so he just, like, lashes out at her. Uh, this is not a good look for Will, but also at the same time, I mean, this is the Will we see every couple episodes, right? Like, n- not much has changed with him. Yeah, which is, like, kind of funny to think about. You know, like, they're compared to like dr joy that we're going to discuss later mm-hmm. the girl from will is like not as big like yeah I- yeah um do you feel the same way i do in that with will you absolutely love him but you also want to punch him yeah for sure because i feel like will really cares about his patient like mm-hmm. if i needed to go to chicago med I would want, like, Will to be my doctor. Just to know that he's gonna, like, fight for me. Yeah. But at the same time, he does stuff, like, that I'm like, why? You're, like, such a good doctor. Which which we saw, which I feel like was proven with no problem this season in the episodes when he was mm-hmm. apart from Natalie. They kind of thrived apart. Yeah, they did. And it kind of, like, I I feel bad for saying this, but, like, I don't miss Minson. Like, seeing this episode, I was like, oh, my God, we're so much better without them. Like, yeah. And, I mean, that's not to say that I don't ship Manstead. I want Will and Natalie to be happy, and if they're happy with each other, then that's fine. But I know that Will does not make me want to tear my hair out in episodes when he is working separate from her. Yeah. So I don't know. They kind of feed off each other, right? It's like the the bad decisions just kind of like snowball. Yeah. But I think that like, sorry, but I was like thinking like the fact that maybe they're so passionate Mm -hmm. that like they don't, there's no one like who's rational in this relationship when they're working together. Right. It's like, Compared to, like, Ethan and April, who's, like, one white or the other is black, I feel like Minister is just the same kind of energy, and they don't see us outside the box. So, like, it makes hard to, like, not connect. That's not the right word. But, like, I don't know. Sorry, I'm losing no, my thoughts. I get it. I get it. So, no, I totally get it. So, um, we find out in this scene that, you know, because basically they, they storm out of the room and Will's just like, well, thanks for your help in there. And Natalie's just like, what the fuck, dude? Which, like, same. Um, and then we, we learn what, I think we already knew at this point that, you know, Mama Halstead died of cancer. Um, and he just says, he's like, if she had access to a drug like this, like, she might still be alive. 
Okay. Did we know that? I feel like we oh, knew that already. Yeah, but like for people who started like with men, they didn't know that. But we True. knew when like uh um will went on pd yeah that's true that's true and this is one of those moments where the minute his face turns and he's like my mom died of cancer you go from being like will i want to punch you to being like protect him at all costs yeah yeah but that's what i'm saying i was like what he did like was wrong but i see how like oh projection motive but yeah therapy i guess <laughs> yeah yeah therapy so uh Later on in the episode is when like the, the big stuff happens. So the mom starts to code again and Will goes in and Will is just like, you need to tell me to resuscitate her. Like, tell me right now. And he's like, I don't know. Like, this is not really what she wants. I don't know. He never gives a definitive yes or no. Like he does, he definitely does not say yes. And he definitely does not say no. And Will is just like, fuck it all. And yeah, Natalie is like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this is this is illegal. Granted, I mean that 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 statement meant something in season one. Now it's just like, and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, April and Doris, like, they step in and every everything. But the whole time that they're they're trying to bring her back, I mean, everybody's just kind of glaring at Will, like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and the best was when Natalie was like, this is illegal. He's like, I'll take responsibility. Like, do you realize what taking responsibility entails? No? No, we haven't thought about this? Yeah, but he didn't have no choice. Because, like, he was the, the only one who, you know, like, I mean, it's not like April and Doris can be like, yeah, we took the decision. And, like, Natalie stepped out. So, like, no matter what, if you needed to take responsibilities oh, about man. it. Will done fucked up. Fucked up. Will is lucky. Like, I'm thinking about all the decisions that he took, and I'm like, you still have a job? Right? Good for you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Goodwin should have fired him so many times by now. Like, he's, yeah, he, he's got job security for sure. But I think that, like, Goodwin should have fired, like, everyone at this point. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. Quite literally. Um, let's look at the, okay, so let's look at all five seasons that we've got in front of us, right? Will's done, you know, Will is Will, right? He, he's great. Yeah. He's wonderful. But he also does some boneheaded shit, right? Do you think this is his biggest fuck up still to date? Um, probably. But I've seen that, I don't remember in which season it was. But it was um, the storyline where Nat and Cam kind of fake a woman death. Oh, yes. Oh, I forgot that about one, that. That one, like, was huge, in my opinion. That one, I feel like I can understand that one more than I can this one. But at the same time, this one is like, oh, the husband didn't say yes or no. Like, he should have respect her wishes. But, like, at the same time, he talked to the husband who was willing to go on the trial. And since the husband has the power of attorney, like he can overpass Ms. Baker's judgment. So, you know, like also like there was that gray area that like I can see. Mm -hmm. As for the other one, I was like, damn, you guys are truly something. When they fake the death? Yeah. I don't know. In my opinion, I was just like, okay, that's where we're going? Okay. 
I feel like, and I mean, this is in no way me being like, let me justify this crazy behavior by these two doctors. But in the latter situation, when they faked the girl's death, wasn't she being abused or assaulted or something? I don't remember fully. It was it was some situation like that. Like she was in some sort of like abusive situation or abusive relationship. And so in that situation, they were helping somebody who needed their help. Like she she couldn't help herself. They needed her to yeah. or she needed them to help her get out of that situation. In this case, Jennifer's wishes were clear. I mean, they were right. abundantly clear. And the power of attorney supersedes everything. Yeah. True. You're right. But then we compare it to the time that Will got the gun. Oh. Yeah, but I'm saying, uh, you know, I, why am I defending Will? <laughs> because <laughs> we can't help it because we love him. Uh, yeah, that's true. The gun thing was some, but at the same time, the gun wasn't as bad because he kept the gun in, in the car afterwards. He just didn't tell Natalie, right? Is it what you're referring to? Yeah, he, he, well, he lied to her. He told her that he got rid of the gun, but he had actually kept it. Yeah. Which I understand because what Will had gone through in the mid-season finale, like, hell yeah, he's probably got some anxiety and wants to keep him safe. However, Natalie's got a three-year-old. Three-year-olds get into stuff. You see, I always forget that Natalie has a kid. (laughs) I don't know why, but everything, like, somebody mentioned it, I'm like, Oh, it's true. Always. Okay. We, we never see him. I mean, yeah. I no. That. Yeah. And she never talks about him. Like, she's just mentioning, like, once, like, in a while, but is it yeah. the right term? Whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I think, yeah, it's probably his biggest fuck up. But, like, also, like, there's something that I noticed with Will. His patients mostly always die. Oh, no. Another fuck up. Oh my god, the one when with Dr. Marcel this season, he like he said like um the the one that was Simon Jehovah, was it in English? Jehovah The Jehovah's Religion. Yes. yes. That one that was a huge one. Oh my god, yeah. When he had the DNR tattoo, didn't he? Uh he had a DNR tattoo and also like he couldn't get blood. No, he didn't have a DNR tattoo. It's the one that he couldn't get the transfusion of uh, blood. Oh, right. And he assumed, okay, so Will assumed that the guy wanted the transfusion and then he got the transfusion and the guy was yeah. like, you just messed up everything. Yeah, because his parents, like, uh, reject him. Oh, my when he God. Woke up. That, was a, that was a big one. It was a big I one, that- but I feel like Will was damned if he did, damned if he didn't in that case. That was a lose-lose. That was a lose-lose, but yeah, I sure. You see, like, Will got a lot of, oh my god. Okay. I know, I know. I was glad in that situation there that, like, Crockett was kind of there to talk him up and be like, listen, like, yeah, that was a fuck-up, but there's nothing you could have done, you know? You did the best you could with the information you had. It happened, you know? True. Um, whereas in this one, he had a clear choice. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, they they bring Jennifer back, and once Will comes in to check on her, I mean, it's like, it, it's a total situation of, like, Will, read the room. Will just comes, like, tweedling in. He's like, yay, everything is great. And he checks on her, and she is giving him this death glare. 
When I tell you, she is just staring at him like, I know what you did. Like, how dare you, you jackass. And Will is just yeah. like, he doesn't give a shit. He's just like, I did the right thing. Yay, me. And the husband's got tears in his eyes and he's like, we just want to be alone. Will just, it just, oh. Will just does not even fathom the fact that he messed up. No, which was kind of funny. Like, he took such a big risk. I would expect, like, more self-awareness. I don't know. There's none because he's so in his head and he's projecting, you know, the issues that happened with his mom. He's, he is so deep in his head and he's in full-on projection mode that it's like he's in an alternate universe. True. Man, it's bad. So then Goodwin calls him in and, you know, just like, I feel like we do this every episode. Will does something wrong. He gets called into Goodwin's office and all of us are like, this is it. She's going to lace into him. And we fall for it every damn time, every time. So Goodwin came down on him in this one, but you know, of course she was just like, okay, fine. You still have your job. But like, dude, um, she laces into him though. She's like, did he, yes or no? Like, did he consent? And he was like, no. And Goodwin's like, oh yeah, no, you, you messed up. Like, this is bad. You got the hospital into a big giant mess. I hope you realize the, like, the gravity of your actions. He doesn't. But there's a moment here where Will stands up and Will's like, he says, not that, he doesn't say like, I don't regret what I did, but he, he basically stands, he basically justifies his actions. And just like the passion he says it with, it's one of those moments where like, I hate you, Will. I love you, Will. It's one of those moments. He's just... He is like the most frustrating doctor, but at the same time, it's like, do not mess with him. Yeah. He's a, he, yeah, he's been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He really has been through a lot, but I feel like I don't have that kind of relationship with any other fictional character. I can't think of another fictional character on any show that I watch where I'm just like, I hate you, but also you're the cutest. Like, I love you. You're so pure and perfect. And like, you love him and you want to punch him at the same time. I have this with the Elliot Stapler from Law and Order. I'm like watching the first season and I'm like, it's the same thing. I'm like, oh, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's another character that I have the same relationship. Are you so excited that he's coming back to Law and Order? I am. I am. But I'm like, I'm trying to understand how will they make it work, but I am excited. He was a good character. They'll make it work. Uh, yeah. I never really watched it, but I know that Stabler and Olivia are like, they were like the OG bro TP. Yeah, they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, sorry. I'm not getting get too much into it. <laughs> it's funny. We will, we'll discuss other things that we're watching like towards the end because, I mean, again, it's quarantine. We're doing all sorts of crazy stuff, so who knows. Uh, sure. Yeah, so... Goodwin's like, yeah, you you messed up and you messed up big. And Will's like, am I suspended? And she's like, no. Like, it's cool. She's always just like, you can be fired for that and I'll go back to work. But this this one makes sense. In the sense of like, if they would have suspended him, it would have looked bad for the hospital. Mm-hmm. So like, they needed to keep it on the payroll. Mm-hmm. But she wanted to. Like, you could see in her eyes, she was like, hmm. I'm doing this for the sake of the hospital and not for you. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, the episode kind of ends there. You know, it kind of ends on it. It keeps it 
open-ended, but we get a resolution like four or five episodes later. I think it's one thirteen when we get the resolution. And so did you get the chance to rewatch that episode, Perry? No, I didn't. So I didn't either. Um, but I mean, just like to paraphrase the way it ends is that, I mean, Jennifer dies and Will goes to the funeral because he's stubborn. Although I can't remember, I can't remember if he like crashes the funeral or if the husband invited him. No, the husband invited, invited him. him. Okay. Yeah, because he wanted to talk. Oh yeah. And, and the whole thing there is that the husband talks, talks to Will and he thanks Will. He's like, you know, you believed yeah. in her, you gave her a fighting chance. You know, that happened. And it's actually a really sweet moment. And then we get the Halstead brothers scene at the end of the episode where Jay and Will are just kind of walking around the bean and Jay just like spits this wisdom that is so good. And he's just like, no, he's like, you didn't do a bad thing. Like you cared. It went out there. It got around. It like catches on. It's just like, I got to find that gif of Jay saying that. Cause I feel like that's a quote that applies, especially now with everything going on. So yeah. It ended up, I mean, Will got lucky that it ended the way it did because in a normal situation, I mean, he got sued for malpractice. Yes, that, that's normal, but he would have lost his job and like. But wasn't that episode that like, there's a scene in the elevator with Dr. Rhodes, like in 113, I, need to, I don't remember. Is it I know the that? scene you're talking about, but was it the Jennifer Baker case? I thought it was a different case. Yeah, maybe. When Will's going to go upstairs and Dr. Rhodes is like, you're a good doctor, you ass, or something like that. Yeah, but I think it was Jennifer Baker related. Because he wanted to tell her that she had a... Oh, a the placebo! Yeah. Oh, my and God. And, like, he had... Yeah, and Dr. And Miss Goodwin was like, you stay far from her. But he wanted to tell her, like, he's sorry because she got the placebo. Yeah, that's what happened. I just, we were cheated of Rhodes Dead, man. They could have been something so good. They would. But I have, like, so many thoughts about Connor. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, the Will thing ended well, but also, like, Will, please don't do it again. But then also, like, he did it time and time again, because Will. Will. Yeah. Yeah. And yet I still consider that time that Natalie locked herself in the room with the pediatric patient, I still consider that worse. I don't know why. Uh, was it? Wait, let me think. I, I think, it's, think well, that was this past season. Yeah, but I was like, you know what? Yes, because he has parents and his parents were like, no. Yeah, yeah I think so. Man, I mean, we it, could, it, it was it was clear. Oh my god, it's so hard. Like we're really trying to figure out like which time was worse. I know. Let me think about it. We could <laughs> fill a whole episode just ranking Manstead's questionable decisions. Oh okay, my so. god, we would be on this podcast recording this episode for hours, hours. Yeah, but not I'm really nothing, though. Hopeful. But I'm really ho hopeful about Minstead. Mm -hmm. Like, after watching this episode, I was like, they kind of grow, like, in the past season. And, like, if they ever get back together, I think I'm going to appreciate more. Yeah, so, and yeah. I, that's interesting that you say that, because the interview with Jeff and Steve that's at the end of this episode, Perry, I know you haven't heard it yet, but they do talk about Minstead. And I specifically asked, I said, you know, should, do we lose hope? Do we keep hope? What do we do? Uh, and we went into that. And so there's a lot of good Manstead stuff in that interview. So definitely hang on after we're done discussing this episode because there's some good material in there for sure. So um, moving on to Connor, because 
Connor's still around. I miss him. I miss him terribly. Um, I miss him that season. I feel like, at, like the fact that he moved on mm-hmm. to like uh to do like cardio thoracic surgery mm-hmm. kind of made me hate him. Really? Not hate him, but like, yeah, I, I kind of miss like when he was around Evie and like you know at the beginning, like he was talking with Reese. Like I feel like the fact that Lee they separated him from the ED kind of made like I missed that feeling seeing Rod's huh. around interesting yeah. um where where do you think he left to in my happy head like after 501 he went to the Mayo Clinic and he and Robin are living happily ever after that's like that's that little compartment of my brain where I'm like they're happy they're good you think in, in my head in, in the alternate universe that happens in my head yes I think he went back to like what where was he from? You don't know, like in the first episode, he's like Guatemala. No, I don't know. Like I he went to with med some... school in South America, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but I think he went like to find himself in some places. He was yeah. really hurt. Like, I, and then he's gonna come back to Robin. I completely get that he had to GTFO after five hundred one because some crazy stuff happened. Right? I get it. I totally get it. But also, I miss him. You know. I miss- I hope that he's going to come back for at least, like, a cameo or something. Oh, he has to. He has to. I know. And then the news came down today. We're recording this on Thursday, but the uh, the first Broadway musical to, like, permanently close in light of the quarantine is actually Frozen, which I'm so sad about. I know. I know. I know. And, um, but it was over, or they were looking for replacement? Because I well, feel like uh, Patty and um, – what is her name? Patty and Cassie had left. Um, they, yeah. they had stopped. But then I think the – I think – you know, the show had just barely gone on before everything stopped. And so, um, yeah, unfortunately, Frozen's going to be the first one to, like, permanently close in light of everything. And so, um, not that that matters, but still, like, you know, come back. Please. Please come back. But I think that, yeah, but it, probably they're, like, preparing for Frozen 2. May think about it. Oh, that and they're about to be parents. Yeah, true. makes me so happy. They're such a cute couple. I can't stand it. She's uh. due in July, right? I, I can't think wait to so. see the pictures. Yeah. Um, Patty, if you're out there, please come on the podcast. We don't bite. We actually just really want to be friends with you. <laughs> we just want to be friends come. with you and drink wine. And Bryna just really wants to talk about The Bachelor. She hasn't said that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Oh, it's true. She's such a Bachelor fan. Okay. No, I, just, I feel like we'd be best friends, Patty and me and Bryna <laughs> and all of us. But and she likes I digress. Say again? <laughs> What'd you say? And I think she loves Chris Evans. Like, when I see her tweets, like, it's mostly, like, about sometime Chris Evans. So I'm like, oh, I can relate. Oh, girl, I can't blame her. Okay, so let me tell you, one of the things I've been doing during quarantine, aside from, like, I mean, Perry knows, I've been doing, like, Duolingo. I've been, you know, watching random stuff. Um, I'm working my way through the Marvel movies. Your girl just saw Captain America for the first time last weekend. Yay! I dug it. I-, I actually really liked it. I was like, oh, God, Chris it's Evans is great. Face. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. another subject that I could go on and on, but that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, so um, I started Thor. I haven't, like, I, I started Thor and then I had to stop. But also, like, my initial impression, like, 20 minutes in is that Thor's kind of whiny. He's a little whiny. Yeah. I don't and like Loki's Thor no better. 1 and 2. Okay. Oh, I love Loki. 
Loki is really funny. Like when you're gonna see the Avengers, you're gonna have you're gonna see like another facet of him. But I think my favorite four is like definitely the third. So like the one and two, I don't really remember. But you need to watch it because it comes again. But yeah, I'm trying to go in order now. But again, yeah, we digress again. It happens. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Okay. Yeah, so, Doctor Rhodes. Connor. Connor. Uh, yeah, so Connor has a patient. This kid's 14 years old. He basically jumped a fence at a construction site and impaled himself. That escalated quickly. Um, but, I mean, quite literally, Connor takes a stapler to this kid's heart and, like, fixes everything. Just Connor things. Yeah. You see, I don't miss that. Like, the part that Connor was... No, but, like, Connor was always... Re- like, you know, he was never failing. Like, there, I'm, yeah. I kind of, like, I was annoyed towards the end. Like, at the beginning, I was like, yay, Connor. But towards the end, I was like, I want him to fail and learn and grow and stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we never really saw Connor fail. I mean, we did. We did, but not, not as often compared as. Will? Compared to Will. I mean, yeah, I know. I know. But I, I'll say this. I miss Connor's confidence. I don't miss his arrogance. Okay, that, yeah, that's a perfect goal. Can you sell were, it on the t-shirt? Can I sell it on the t-shirt? Um, when Ava came around and he finally had, he had some competition. And I mean, yeah, the, the you know, he had to kind of, he had to fight hard, right? Because he had competition. But I didn't like that side of Connor that she brought out of him. Uh, the comp- no, Well, there's nothing wrong with ambition. There's nothing wrong with healthy competition. But I feel like with Connor and Ava, it wasn't healthy. No, it wasn't. Yeah, maybe that's well, a better way to say it. it yeah, it wasn't healthy. But, like, it wasn't that, like, yeah, well, we can go on. Like, I think it's later that it comes out. It mm-hmm. comes up when he talks about the fact that, like, he loves trauma. You know, I miss that side of Connor. Like, being passionate about a job in some ways. Yeah. And not just do it to do it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I mean, to be honest, this is 109. So he was only trauma for like five seconds in the grand scheme of the show, which I had completely forgotten that he was trauma and then turned cardiothoracic. I completely forgot. And so watching this episode, I was like, oh my God, I forgot that like, this is the impact Downey had on him. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So in surgery with Connor and wait for it, Dr. Zanetti. Dr. Zanetti. Um, Dr. Downey comes in because, I mean, this is not enough of a throwback. We've got Zanetti. We've got Downey. It's just a season one party. And he basically has Connor do the surgery. And so the whole time, Connor's just like, what? I'm trauma. Why? Why am I here? What am I doing? So Connor asks more info from, he asks for more information from Miss Goodwin and because she gave her approval. And Connor's like, again, I'm trauma. What are you doing? And Downey basically offers Connor to be his successor. He basically gives him the chance of being like, hey, let me, let me take you under my wing. Let me teach you what I do. And Connor is like, no, wh- no, why? And Zanetti sets him straight and she's just like, he's the best cardiothoracic surgeon like in the country and you're telling him no. And it's just a whole matter of, you know, he, she's like, yeah, I mean, you're comfortable, but that's, you know, Sometimes you need to be pushed outside your comfort zone, which I feel like Connor 
Connor doesn't appreciate the magnitude of what's happening in this episode, but he does at the end of season one when Downey finally passes away. Like he understands the magnitude that, you know, the impact that Downey's had on his life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so at the end of the episode, Downey has a car accident and that's when we learn that Dr. Downey has liver cancer. Um, his prognosis is not good, but he basically is looking for a successor and he sees something in Connor that makes him believe like, oh, hey, this is my guy. This is my successor. I'm going to teach him. And so it ends with Connor accepting Dr. Downey's proposition, which I mean, it seems like it's kind of a minor happening, but it's, it's huge in terms of Connor's trajectory as a, par- a character. So yeah, it is. It's pretty big. It's pretty big, but I, I still miss him. I still miss him much. Very, very much. Yeah. I miss Reese more, I think. You do? Like, looking back, yeah. I, like, Reese was someone that was, like, we've been robbed of so many stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, because she was not supposed to leave. Like, you can see that it was not the plan. So, like, I mean, yeah, I miss her. Did you, were you one of those fans that shipped her with Rhodes? No. Well, no. I think I ship her more with Eaton at a point. Reese? Yeah. They had a connection. Because remember, like, she needed to choose her, not her position, her uh, match? Yeah. And, like, she was working more with Eaton. I think, like, at a point I was shipping her with Eaton. And I love her relationship with April. Like, we saw it, but, like, I think, like, Reese was a good friend to April. Mm-hmm. And I kind of miss that for her. And just Reese and Ethan. I never thought about that. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. So before we get to Reese, we are going to talk about Ethan and Dr. Charles. Because when I was saying earlier that there are some scenes in this episode that we don't talk about enough, this Ethan storyline is just like totally brushed under the rug when really we should be coming back to this and referencing this frequently. I agree. And I was like, the growth. That's like Ethan. Like, yeah. When you look back, I'm like, he made so much progress. Mm-hmm. Like, it's insane. Like, I didn't notice. Like, I didn't remember, honestly. No, I, I didn't think- either. Because at first, I was not that big of an Ethan fan in general. Mm-hmm. And now that he's been like more into like storyline and stuff. I got kind of annoyed, but now looking back, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, he comes from far. This is the Ethan that I want to see more of. I want to see more of this Ethan. Yeah. But I think that he was kind of, I don't know. Like, I want to see more, like, the Ethan at the end. Yeah, that, well, I guess what I'm saying is I want to see more payoff. Like, more payoffs like this. Because, I mean, this past season, I mean, it wasn't great for Ethan. It really wasn't great. He was tracking April's, like, ovulation schedule. You know, he was putting pressure on her. And that's not, I mean, just, it it was not a great season for Ethan or April. Either character. It was just not a good season for either one of them. But in this one, you see Ethan be very rigid and very, you know, stuck in his way and stubborn, really. But it's got a payoff at the end. We don't get that payoff nowadays. No, we don't. I kind of miss that. 
oh my god, I miss so many things. How am I going <laughs> to become nostalgic? <laughs> right? But I mean, even like the storylines, like it's not forced. Like, don't you see like the way they pair them and like the we like we had what four different storylines in this mm-hmm. episode, and it like all came together smoothly. Yeah. Not like one was forced so or one was more important. Like you kind of see every like everyone in a different light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of miss that kind of way of functioning. I guess is it the right term? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this storyline starts off, and Ethan is just like going crazy on a punching bag in his apartment. By the way, he's got like a sweet place. I feel like that needs to be talked about more often too. He's got a pretty sweet apartment. He got a sweet apartment, and I mean, like our shirt list, Ethan is a win for me as a viewer. Like, yeah, yeah. I feel like anytime they can write a scene where Ethan or where Brian T is like working out shirtless, they're going to take it. Like, cause there was this moment. And then there's also the one where he's like hanging off the ledge of his apartment building doing like, not, not apartment building, but he's like hanging off of like the second story stair or something or other. Yeah. And he, yeah, just gratuitous. There's that one. There's also the one where he was playing a uh, nurse with April. With April yeah. There's no one. There's no, I know. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna stop. Oh my god, we could literally, I mean, we could make this part of our drinking game criteria. It's like, take a sip every time Joy is shortlist. Really? Oh my god. It would be easy. It would. It would. So, um, yeah, so Ethan's got a patient. Her name's Olivia Gray. She's a math professor who was found unconscious in her office, and she's basically in kidney failure. So, they transfer her to the ICU for dialysis. Ethan's like, whatever, moving on. Well, Dr. Charles gets paged later on because she is in the middle of a psychotic episode. And so she's like yelling and she's yelling about keeping the numbers in and all this stuff. And it turns out that she's got bipolar disorder. She was diagnosed when she was 18. It's always been under control. It's no problem. And so what they deduce here is that she was on lithium. It was fine. But when they put her on dialysis for her kidneys, it cleared the lithium out of her system which then let the psychotic episode occur. Medicine, man. It's crazy. Uh, but Ethan, like, doesn't really... When, when Dr. Charles explains it to him, he's like, she's bipolar. Ethan's like, okay, and? It's just like, it, like, the explanation just, like, hits a brick wall. And he's like, he says something where he's like, oh, I know what he says. He's like, well, it's more than a medical issue. Like, she's unstable. And Dr. Charles gives him this look and is like, it's medical. Like, let's get that straight. Um, and it, that's good. I mean, we're, you know, I'm, I'm glad this show has always tackled mental health in a pretty good head on honest way. Yeah, they did. I think that's what I love about this show is like the mental aspect, like the fact that they had like someone, uh, like Dr. Charles. Yeah. Yeah. They've always been very straightforward with it. And I do appreciate that. Even when you've got characters like Ethan, who are just like, that's not a real disorder where you just want to like scream. I mean, there's always somebody there to educate them, which Mm -hmm. I appreciate. So that's good. That's good. Um, So basically Olivia is on, she's on the lithium, but it's killing her kidneys. And so she starts to feel better. And Ethan is like, okay, well, what, what did you do? Like, what did you do differently? And Dr. Charles is like, I treated the lithium with lithium. And Ethan's like, I'm sorry, you what? 
And so Ethan's about to like not lose it, but Ethan's like, that's, that's not the option. Like it, it's killing her. And Dr. Charles is just like, it's, this is the life she wants to lead. And the only way for her to do what she wants to do and hit these goals in her life is if she's on the lithium. So we're going to do that now. And we're going to tackle the consequences later on. And you know, Ethan just doesn't get it, but that's like a recurring thing you see with Ethan and Will is where they think that since they're the doctor, their opinion overrides everything. Yeah. But I, yeah, I feel like we the men on the show, like I feel like it's a recurring issue, but maybe it's me as a feminist that I've seen it. I'm like, <laughs> There's some sexism in this. Yeah. There's always going to be inherent sexism, right? We see the same thing with Natalie sometimes, though, where she, you know, she thinks that since she's the doctor, her opinion is the only option. So, I mean, we yeah. do see that. But at the same time, they, like, make it seem like it's always emotional-driven. Mm-hmm. As for the men, it's, like, rational. You know, like, the way they approach the thing is totally different. That I'm, like, that's where I can see, like, it differs. I I mean, if I'm thinking of this as a doctor, which again, I say this every time, just because I want to make this abundantly clear, Gina has zero experience in the medical field, (laughs) zero. She just watches a lot of medical shows and thinks she knows things that she doesn't know. Uh, But I, if I'm thinking of this as a doctor, I mean, that's got to be pretty frustrating when you study all those years and you practice and everything to keep people alive. And then, you know, you do what you think is best only for the patient to go with another option i would think that that's pretty frustrating yeah it is but in this case it was not like it was a patient decision like dr chow discussed with olivia and that's what they chose together yeah you know like it's two doctors and also like the fact that ethan was kind of like not confused like resident um fetissant like, that is a French word, sorry. What'd you say? <laughs> but, like, he was, like, kind of, like, oh, my God, what is, I'm sorry, it's, like, late, so I'm, like, um, reluctant, reluctant? Oh, reluctant. reluctant. Uh-huh. Yeah, sorry. Uh, about, like, psychiatry, so that's why he didn't approve Dr. Charles, like, kind of option, mm-hmm. you know, like, I think, like, the option makes sense like the worst case scenario she had like we replaced her kidney and then she moved on with her her life yeah. you know but uh, ethan didn't saw like didn't see it that way yeah um yeah i mean that's yeah, oh that's sorry that was like no you're fine <laughs> i just went and googled the french translation of reluctant myself because you know <laughs> we're a mess we're a mess but that's okay that's okay is what it is. So at the There's end of the episode, Ethan stops by Dr. Charles' office. And, you know, like Perry was saying, the whole time we see that he's reluctant to kind of absorb this information about bipolar disorder and everything. And he tells the most heartbreaking, gut-wrenching story about something that happened to him in Afghanistan, where if you really slow it down and listen to the details of this story, it's it's gut-wrenching. It's horrifying, really. So... When he was in Afghanistan, basically this, this woman traveled, like she walked like 10 miles to their camp and she was holding this baby who was like maybe three. And he just talks about how she looked so peaceful and she looked like she was sleeping. But what had happened was 
there was like a blast wave from a bomb or something that had gone off basically made her lungs burst. That's chilling. I mean, again, the blast wave from a bomb made her lungs burst, as in not the explosion, but the wave of energy was so powerful that that's what, I mean, that's just, ooh, wow. And so Ethan just tells Dr. Charleston, he's like, I see her every night. Like, I can't, you know, and he, he just, he cries. And it's the most vulnerable we've ever seen Ethan. And I feel like we haven't seen him that level of vulnerable since. Yeah, you're right. And the acting, can we talk about the acting? I was oh, like. They're amazing. Impressed. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> The whole, the whole cast just like blows me away. I'm just like, how, how are you, how? And you'll hear it in the interview at the end of this episode. Steve even asked me, he's like, so what do you think of Oliver Platt? And I was like, he's incredible. Like he's so talented. I'm like, wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. But like that scene, I was like, yeah, it was kind of a highlight for me. I was really like, okay, this is great. Mm -hmm. And I want to know more. Like, can you give me more backstory on Ethan? On like, yeah, yeah. Like, can can we see more of season one, Ethan, in season six? Yeah, I feel like out there. And I mean, while we're on this topic, let's talk Chexton for a second. So, I mean, what do you think of the whole the whole way Ethan and April went down this season? Okay, I was ah, I'm honestly pissed. Mm -hmm. Like, but at the same time, it's like we don't know much. Like, I was, you know, like, I was trying to think which episode we could discuss this week. And, like, I went back to season two. And then I was like, oh, I forgot that they, that's when they start dating. But we don't really know much about what they like in, like, from each other. Like, mm -hmm. I still be just, they just got paired together. Mm -hmm. And, like, it went down the hill ever since. So I'm kind of annoyed. Because I think it could be such a great relationship. But, yeah. I think they definitely need to take some time apart next season. They do. But I think that I was like, Perk, no, you know what? I can't, like, I need to say it. But that Marcel and April storyline was ridiculous. <laughs> like, I'd expected more. Like, probably they slept together or something. Uh, kiss that barely like lasts more than three seconds no i can't no okay but that compounded with all of the other times that april has lied to him throughout the season and how like every time she's like i'm fine when she's not fine yeah but i just think like he doesn't know that he only knows for the kiss he was mad because of that kiss i feel like if she had been upfront with him about it it wouldn't have been as bad the longer she went without telling him the worse things got yeah and she like blew it up anyway but uh, i'm not saying to not be honest guys okay <laughs> i'm just, I'm just say, thinking that i was like she was that close of getting away with it oh, perry <laughs> april is my girl okay i'm gonna root for april no matter what <laughs> you abide by the girl code big time <laughs> so i guess it's safe to say then that you don't like marcel no, actually, I love Marcel. Okay. Like, honestly, I do. Um, I'm scared of where they're taking him. Like, Natalie and Marcel, I don't approve. Like, I don't, yeah. 
I'm kind of like scared, mm-hmm. but no, I love Marcel. I was the one like I was writing you like since, since uh, September. I was like seeing my sex cell. I was. <laughs> um, I love that their ship name together is Sex Cell. It just makes me think of an Excel spreadsheet. It's just because their chemistry was fire. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I mean. And what what are your thoughts on the Crockett and Natalie stuff? Uh, I don't know. It was great. Last, the season finale kind of left me a little late. Mm, I'm not sure. I felt like she was trying so hard to prove that, like, obviously he's a good person. But, like, I don't know. He We don't know much about him. And Natalie, like, kind of want to throw herself at him. And I'm like, don't you want to know more? Like, who was his ex-wife? Are they still together? Did she like? There's so much more. That I'm like, why are they trying to put them together? I actually like them working, but as a love relationship, I'm not sure. Okay, okay. I feel like I, I'm not aboard the Crockett and Natalie train yet. But if you're going to make me choose between Crockett and April or Crockett and Natalie, if you're going to make me choose, I think I'm going to choose Crockett and Natalie. Really? I think so. I, mm, you see, I, I don't, mm, I don't know. Like, I feel like right they've, now, they've got the, they're, well, they're in the process of establishing the foundation of maybe not a relationship, maybe just a friendship. Um, but they're in the process of establishing something. Whereas Crockett and April were just like right off the bat, like, hi, I'm April. Hi, I'm Crockett. Let's flirt. Yeah, but at some point it happens. I know. Like, She's cute. She's cute. Why not? I know. I know. And that's not a bad thing. But like, yeah, I would really want to see like a friendship between Natalie and Crockett. April, it was just like, I wanted something for April. Like you see, I feel like every time there's a storyline, it's always like men like oriented. Like even in season two, when she has her miscarriage, it was Mm -hmm. like with um, Kate. Was his name Tate? Yeah, Tate. You know, I, yeah, I want something more for, like, for April. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I, I got annoyed. I was like, finally, somebody sees April for who she is, a great, like, and I think that's what I was, that's why I was excited to, like, for that ship. But I was not, like, yeah. I was not that big of a sexually. What is, what is their ship name? I don't even know. You see how much I... I think it's officially Chexton, but we call them sex toys because okay. it's funnier for us. Okay, I think, yeah, that's what I... Because we're children. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, I was not, I was never really, like, that big on the, like, uh, on this ship. Mm-hmm. I don't even know their name. You, you just told me and, like, it kind of go, went away. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think the listeners told me it's Sexel. I mean, I didn't know. I was like, oh, okay, I can roll with that. But, yeah, so I think, like, Ethan and April, like, I was into it because Ethan, uh, because April was in it. Mm-hmm. I was not, like, I didn't care. And also, like, the past, what, three seasons, they've been on and off. So I was like, oh, I guess, like, I need to kind of love Ethan, but mm. I didn't care much, to be honest. We'll see. But I'm excited to see, like, where they go next. Like, right now, I cannot see April and Ethan apart from each other. You know, like, I've been used to it. 
Yeah, and I, I guess I can see that too, especially since the way we left off was April going to that gas station to find Ethan. You know, I had feels for that. I was like, I saw that scene, I was like, oh, I miss them. But like, you're asking me now, and I'm like, why would I, why do I love them? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You see, that's the thing. It's like, do I love them because they were there? Like, yeah, there, I have a lot of, like, I need to process this. <laughs> Even after, like, four seasons, I'm like, mm, I, I have, I still don't know. Listen, I don't care what they're doing at this point. I will just take any new content. Like, if Yaya and Brian just want to get on Zoom and, like, improv a scene between Ethan and April, I'll take it. Like, oh my, yeah. I just miss I them. That. I miss them. But I love, you see, like, you can see that they have a great, like, relationship outside the show mm -hmm. like when they do interviews together and I'm like oh okay now I, I see why mm -hmm. they've been put together but then you watch the show and something I'm like why is it not working they're hot they're cute like give me something and I mean and I was telling you this before we started recording you know the interview that we have with Jeff and Steve at the end of this episode um Steve really breaks it down and he explains you know why they work and, and I've heard it before, but I'm so stubborn that in my head, I was like, they don't work. Stop it. But once I kind of, I've absorbed what he said this time and I was like, oh, I was like, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, who knows what's up with them? They're, they're just so much drama, but also there's so much fun to talk about. Yeah, they are. I know. What does that say about us? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that we love this show so much <laughs> yeah it says that yeah it says we love the shows and we love the universe what did, i said something to jeff and steve where i was like don't judge me i was like this is what happens when your shows get cut short like you have to like speculate um yeah i miss them i miss them all so um last up we had dr reese and mr brennan mr brennan was the patient that she had and like i honestly forgot about reese until she came up on screen in this episode i was like oh yeah she was here really Oh I, was, I was never a huge Reese fan. That doesn't mean I didn't like her. It just means that I was like, she's there. Like, I never disliked her. I was just kind of like, okay, she's here. Yeah. But I think they're trying to, like, with... Uh, oh, sorry. I'm like, <laughs> what am I going to say? Is it controversial? Maybe. Oh, but just I think say they're it. Trying to, <laughs> they're trying to get that energy with Elsa. You know, like, looking back at Reese, I was like, they're trying to get that of like a student that trying to find her footing and the ed and and i think like i kind of miss that because you see another side of the ed like right now we don't have like yeah we have elsa but she's not a regular so like she comes in sometime to have a crush on dr halstead but that's another story but like <laughs> Yeah, I miss that, like, that aspect of the show. Yeah, and I, I that's funny, because I don't think I've ever really drawn the parallels between Elsa and Sarah, even though it's, it's plain as day. Yeah, it is. Even right down to, you know, shadowing Dr. Charles. Yeah. It's the same, like, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's, that's what made me miss Reese more. It's noticing that they're trying to shadow, like, some, the similar energy that she was bringing to the show. 
Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's something that I didn't really realize until this very moment. So I will say this, though, seeing Reese on screen, what I did miss was when she and Noah were like flirting with each other and trying to start something. That was so cute. Really? Oh, yeah. That was adorable. I was like, like, really? I don't know. I think that relationship didn't make much sense to me. Okay, but on, on this podcast, we love and protect Noah Sexton. We, like, we no, love no. him. I love him. I love him. Yeah. But, like, I didn't love him with Dr. Reese. I, he, I he's like, oh. Uh, he, he's Med's version of Gallo. Everything he does, we're just like, that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like their friendship, but I was like, but at the same time, I always talk like, no, I'm like, no, okay, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) So Reese is, you know, she's coming into her own. She's, she's making progress. And what I love about this is that everybody's so supportive of her, right? So the 14 year old patient comes in and she's in the room with Connor and she's getting shit done. Connor's like, okay, do this, do that. She's getting it done. No problem. Confidence, like quickly. And Connor's like, yeah, good job. Good job. You're doing great. Let's do this. Let's try that. They're pushing her, but they're also supportive of her too, which I I love. It's just such a good environment for her. Yeah. But I think it was, um, the episode before or the one like the two before she couldn't make um she couldn't make stuff in the ed and she was scared and i think like that the, she had a moment with uh dr rose and he teach her so i think like that's why he was like good job at the beginning of this episode well yeah but i mean it's just like anything when you're new at something right like you know you, you've got to learn and it's there's always going to be bumps in the road but you know they're 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 accepting of her they're not making her feel bad for her mistakes and so i thought that was really that was good. And I, like, I, I liked seeing that. I liked seeing Connor like root her on and her, her succeed. It was good. It was good. So after helping him, Maggie basically explains that they've got these patient satisfaction surveys, blah, blah, blah. And they've also got a PNP patient in isolation. Everybody just goes, ugh. And Reese says like the number one thing she probably shouldn't have said where she's like, what's that? Sarah. Never. No. <laughs> that's when you pull somebody aside and you ask them separately like quietly in a whisper um so she basically gets like newbie haze and they're like sarah's handling it okay moving on and her patient is this 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 homeless guy who's basically got a lice infestation um and he hasn't showered in months he doesn't like to live in the shelter he's been living on the street and just for him it's having a clean environment like a clean bed and clean clothes and everything that's the big part for him and so basically again we discover he's a homeless man he you know he he doesn't like the shelters and so the next time we see him um you know sarah brings him new clothes and she brings him like a patient satisfaction survey again she's new so she's just like doing as she's told she's just like people told me to give you the survey here's the survey and he's just like can i stay a few more minutes like just because again he likes the clean bed and sarah's like yeah that's fine so towards the end, Maggie starts giving her crap and Maggie's like, you've got to get him out of here. And she goes in to find out that he passed away. And, you know, again, Sarah's new. So she takes it kind of hard. She's absorbing it. And when she asks Maggie, you know, what happened, Maggie's just like, he just wanted to die in a clean bed. Sometimes it happens. They sense they're at the end and they just want to go somewhere where it's clean and, you know, they can die with dignity. And so, you know, Sarah just kind of, absorbs it and then april comes out and just says you know he gave you all tens on the survey and that's that so it's a good episode it was a good one one that flies under the radar quite a bit 
But you see, like, when you asked me, I was, like, thinking back of the old Ned episode, and it, it was kind of hard to choose. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest, like, watching it back, I'm like, they were pretty good. Like, they all had their moments. Uh, yeah. I need See, to rewatch. The when you ask me, if you ask me to choose an episode from season one, I don't choose this one. There is another one that's later on, I think closer to the finale that stands out to me when I think, so Ethan gets a patient who's a veteran and he keeps talking about how he hears noises. And I think what it turns out to be is that there's some sort of hole somewhere in his body that allows him to basically hear, he can hear his own heartbeat. Um, but he hears yeah, it and it drives one. him nuts. And so at the end of it, the part that always gets me is when Ethan's like, listen, like you need to listen to that and remember like you're alive and you're alive for a reason. That's the episode that sticks with me from season one. Uh, but again, it was so long ago. Everything just kind of blurs together. Yeah. But I think like I remember more episodes from season two. Like, you know, it was, like, the panda, like, the episode with Papa Halstead. Like, there's so much more memorable than mm-hmm. season one. But I think, like, I like season one overall mm-hmm. better than season two. But there's more memorable episode in season two, in my opinion. I think I remember more of season one than I do season two. I don't know. Okay. We covered the panda episode, and both of us, like, confessed it to each other. We're like, we'd never seen this beforehand. <laughs> Really? Yeah, neither one of us had seen it before we covered the episode. (laughs) Yeah, so that was funny. But any other notes on this episode? No, I think we covered it all. It was solid. We covered it. It was a team effort. Yeah, we did. It's true. It was seen. (laughs) I miss them. I miss them a lot. Oh, my God. So we're probably not going to see them, like, until 2021, maybe even, like, more. And there's no, there's no official word on that yet, but given that Fox and CW are pushing, I think the other networks are probably going to follow suit. That is not based on any concrete information at all. That is just based on the fact that I spend way too much time on Twitter. Um, but you see, like, I could see Ned coming back in a sense that, like, if they test everyone on set, whatever, like, since they have a smaller, like, crew, like... Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they don't do, they don't go outside and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. It can be easier to film and like you test everyone and then you move on with your day. But like at the same time, it's like, I know tests, like I'm not saying that we need to waste tests on like actors. I'm mm-hmm. just saying it could be a possibility down the line. We, um, what was that? I was about to say something. Oh, you got to listen to the interview with Jeff and Steve because we covered all of it. We talked about all of that. So, um, yeah. You're telling me that now? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But um, I mean, before we, before we even go into the interview and stuff, again, it's quarantine. We're all trying to, you know, stay busy, stay occupied. What are you watching right now? Are you binging anything good? Uh, I just finished The Good Fight. It's okay. a really good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I'm watching like The Last Dance and Insecure like on Sundays. Okay. But other than that, I'm going back to old stuff like Full House. Law and order, like I, I can't deal with too much new things. That's a common yeah. theme that we're seeing. Yeah, um, a lot of my friends are sharing that post on Facebook about how you know a lot of people are going back to shows that they know the ending of. It's just less stress. It's you know easier to kind of know what's happening and things like that. So yeah, that happens. Um, 
I mean, I could watch PD marathons all day, every day. You just put them on and like, they're always on USA or something like that. So I always just like let it run. And then I text everybody. I'm like, this is the one when this happened. And everybody's like, you know, go get a life. Um, yeah. So I could always do that. I've, I've started having One Tree Hill on in the background just as like comfort noise. So what are you watching? Right now, I am watching a Spanish drama on Netflix. Um, you know, Brian and I love our shows out of Spain. So there's Elite and there's La Casa de Papel. Also, Money Heist is what it's called. I found another yeah. one on Netflix. Um, this is called Locked Up. Another drama out of Spain. It's got two of the same actors from La Casa. Um, and it's about this woman. Her name is Macarena. She goes by Maka. Um, she's in prison, and it's all about the power struggle between her and the another prisoner named Zulema, and it's actually really good. The episodes are very long. They're about an hour and change, every single one of them, but it's, it's good. It's a good, compelling story, and it, I think it's more so the world that I get sucked into, not so much one particular character. I'm more sucked into the universe, um, but there's four seasons. Season one is 11 episodes, season two is 13, and then three and four are eight. So it's doable. I'm in the middle of season two right now and I'm, I'm digging it. I really like it. So that is what I'm watching. I'm going to add it to my list. Like my friend, like love watching like Spanish shows. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I think she mentioned it. So you're not the first one. I am, yeah, I, I'm digging it. Um, you know, I told Brenda she needs to put it on her list, but again, the, the episodes are very long. So I can't really do more than like one and a half episodes in one sitting. Like one and a half is probably the most I get to because you get 20, 30 minutes into an episode and you're like, all right, cool. And then you pause it and you've still got like 45 minutes to go. Uh, but it's very good. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And um, you could find a lot of stuff if you search for foreign language content on Netflix, just a little rule there. You could find some really cool things. So. Yeah. That is my Netflix rant. Um, yeah. So, oh, and uh, my boyfriend and I just watched Solar Opposites on Hulu, which is a complete 180 away from Locked Up. It, it's like stupid comedy. It's the guys who do Rick and Morty. Um, but it's so funny. Oh, my God. It's eight episodes. Hilarious. You should definitely watch wow. it if you need like an easygoing comedy. Yeah. So. But we don't have Hulu in Canada. You don't so have Hulu? Thing. No. Oh, I know. God. I'm like, I've been... I want to watch uh, normal people mm -hmm. that is playing right now on Hulu and like I need to wait that it comes on Amazon Prime or something. Like I know that like what is the last one with Kerry Washington? Uh, oh, the fires everywhere. That, yeah, it's coming on Amazon Prime like next week, so I'm like excited, but like everyone watch it in the states since they have access to Hulu. I don't understand why we don't have access to Hulu. In yeah, Canada. what do you have against Hulu, Canada? I don't know. I don't My goodness. know. We, we need to like start that Disney. <laughs> Hulu for Canada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. I, I have access to my friend's Disney plus account and that's how I've been going through the Marvel movies. Um, the other thing that my boyfriend and I've been doing just to keep ourselves occupied really is like Charlie's really good at finding the most random things on these apps. And so we, um, we had tracked down like old episodes, like the original Mickey Mouse Club from like the 1950s. And it's really fun. We've been watching, like, the, the first five episodes are on Disney+, Plus, and we were looking for some other things, too. I mean, my, my dad watched it when he was a child, and so it's just been really fun to be like, this is from the 50s. Oh, my God. Uh, was it good? <laughs> I found it very entertaining. I was like, God, everything was just so pure and simple and, 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 and very sexist in 1955, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, playing in the apps has been fun, too, so that, that's what I've been doing, aside from Duolingo lessons and Marvel movies. Um, 
but yeah, so. Okay, so uh, before we sign off, like I said, we do have the interview with Chicago Med writers Jeff Dreyer and Stephen Hootstein. Big thank you to both of them for coming on. I still can't believe we haven't scared them off after like three years. They're so wonderful and they've been such good friends of the pod throughout the years. And so um, major shout out to them for being willing to come on and let me ask them questions for about an hour. So uh, without further ado, here we go. All right, so we'll just jump in. So first and foremost, guys, I mean, how are you guys doing? I know there's been the production shutdown, quarantine, all this stuff. We're going on, what, the second month of this stuff now, which is just bonkers. But how are you guys doing? How's the family? How's everything? <laughs> I'm doing great. I love quarantine. <laughs> I mean, I don't, have, I don't have to see people. I don't have to go out. This has been fantastic. Yeah, for someone as antisocial as Jeff, this is <laughs> exactly. a dream come true. <laughs> right. People, people don't like seeing me, so it, it worked out good for everybody. Oh, my God. I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I've been hanging out with my kids, spending some time. It's been great. Now, production's been shut down for over a month now, right? It's been, I know, I think we've all lost concept March, of time at this point. March, thir March 13th, I think, was our last day. Okay, yep. yeah. So does this, your job as writers, does this make it harder or easier? Because in theory, I mean, you've got content for next season, but also <laughs> you didn't get to end the season the way you wanted. Uh, no, we had, uh, we had written another three yeah, episodes. In theory. We were supposed to shoot another three episodes. Mm -hmm. So uh, obviously that was, that are, you know, all those character arcs kind of uh, got truncated. Uh, before their time and who knows I mean I don't know what uh, you know it's it's kind of a whole new world that that is going to be uh, in place since our show so hues so closely to you know real life ripped from the headline stuff we want to honor the medical community and what's going on in the medical community and since now we're living in a world where it's a one issue you know one disease world at least in the uh, you know, at least in culture, you know, that's a whole, you know, we've just got to, we have to sit together and figure out what that, what that means moving forward. So are there any plans in place for season six yet, or is everything kind of up in the air? Uh, we thought we were in Lily two minutes before getting on this Zoom. We found out we are not meeting Monday. We're pushing it back uh, eight days, a maybe? weeks. Yeah. So the ball's rolling. I mean, we saw, I think, Fox. I mean, the day we're recording this, obviously, it's, what, Tuesday? Who knows what day yeah. it is anymore? Um, yesterday on Monday, Fox announced that a couple of shows were being pushed to 2021. So, you know, that's why we asked, because when we talked to Derek about a month or two ago, he said he's like, I have no idea what's going to happen. So. Yeah, a lot of it will get decided on the ground. I mean, the, the vast majority, you know, we can do our jobs mm -hmm. uh, remotely to some degree of effectiveness. I mean, it's harder when you were not together to break the stories and there'll be some, but most of that will just be in the amount of time it takes versus like the actual uh, final product. But, you know, production has a, a, you know, a whole host of issues that have to be, um, you know, in order to operate a, a set with that many people and with that many moving parts. So that's kind of the, I don't, I, I don't want to call it a tail leading the dog, but it's the dog. And, uh, and, and yeah, so it, it's, it's kind of hard to forecast when uh, we'll get the all clear signal. 
Of course, of course. Yeah. So would you, what would you like to see personally? Would you like to see these last three seasons be the first three of next season? Or would you rather just kind of start fresh? I, th I think in the, like, after all this has gone on, it's going to be impossible to just do the cases that we had in those episodes. I, I, like, I think you have to throw it out and start over because you have to live in the world where COVID or stupid just talking about somebody who had a heart attack, you know, in a world where this stuff isn't going on. And then there are all these questions. Is everybody going to be wearing masks? Like, what's the ED going to look like? Is it going to be partitioned into a COVID area and a non-COVID area? Like, we have to try to figure out what the world is going to look like in November or whenever we think this is going to air so that we can try to, you know, honor what's happening in the world. So I, it's hard to know. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to know where to start. Yeah, and it, it kind of, it throws an extra obstacle into your job then, doesn't it? Because you, you have to adapt the show to what's going on in the real world. I mean, I think if you don't, we're, you know, it's going to look a little bit silly just to pretend that it didn't happen, you know? So right, right. have to figure something out. And, and mm -hmm. yeah, At the same time, uh, you can imagine, you know, just the way you follow uh, the news and, and what's going on in the medical community. And like, just to take one example, uh, you know, PPE, mm -hmm. uh, everything, you know, has changed from the, the moment you walk into an ED. And so ostensibly, if we were to, you know, we want to honor, you know, what, what these factors are going on, but we would, at the same time, we would never see our actors' faces, you know, again in the show. <laughs> so it's like, and I don't really, I have no, I honestly just say, just throwing that out there as like <laughs> a, uh, uh, just like storytelling concern it's like you know it's going to be tricky we're going to have these are those are little things that we're just going to have to navigate yeah and they're, they're going to have an impact on the way our show interacts with our with our audience and vice versa so i mean we kind of be leaning on people like you <laughs> hopefully like during the maybe during these next couple of months to just i don't know throw some ideas out and just see a little uh focus group <laughs> how, you, how would you respond as a as a fan? I can tell you the the cast member or the 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 character most likely to take off the mask first is Natalie, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's gonna happen. I don't care. Yeah, no, that's exactly. Yeah, just whatever. <laughs> so. Since, I mean, I know you said that you're, you know, you, you'd probably rather see the last three episodes kind of scrapped and start fresh. Can you hint what we might have seen in the season finale? Just kind of hint? The actual season finale, not the one that we saw. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we could, you know, we can hint. I, I think it was stuff that you guys sort of suspected. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to say everything that we say now may completely change because it's all up in the air again. Like, it, you know, it's all up in the air. So, you know, things change. Ethan and April were on the outs and we were going to, I think, you know, really see them on the outs. Um, you know, we're going to- The major thrust of the last three episodes, uh, whether or not the actual, those actual stories, but, you know, they all involved, you know, conflict and turns in the, extensively now what the major relationships were, you know, between Ethan and April, between Crockett and Natalie, uh, between, 
uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, you know, Dr. Charles and his daughter. Yeah. Um, and uh, Maggie and Monty and Ben. Yeah. I mean, there were five, there were five, five or six. I'm trying to, it's, God. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, those were, you know, <laughs> that was the raw material, you know, we were working, you know, with. And, you know, I, to some extent, whether we see the stories that were planned, which are always so, you know, we, at least we strive to make them so, uh, you know, interwoven with the, uh, with the medical cases. So obviously the contours and the, and the moves would be different, but, uh, you know, as far as, those relationships, I imagine we'll just pick up uh, and try to, and you know, in that for whatever, whenever our first episode is, try to contextualize the gap between the world that existed. You know, it's kind of like BC before Corona, and then it's, you know, yeah. and then and, and play around with that time gap, you know, and like and and maybe make some. I'm we're we're literally have not sat together, but like maybe make some big swings and like have a lot of you know, have a lot happened between our characters that we didn't see and, and, and let the audience catch back up. You know, and that, that could be one uh, kind of uh, narrative uh, device we have. But, you know, there, there's a lot of options and we just have to, we have to figure it out collectively. Absolutely. Uh, well, I was just gonna say, you know, originally we thought that maybe season six might come back a day after the end of season five or something like that. We might come right back on it and there's stuff going on. But obviously now there's going to have to be months that have passed between seasons five and six. So, you know, we have to reassess all these relationships and where they're, where they were going because, you know, are we going to come back and people have been dating for five months that weren't dating, you know, or do we come back in the middle of a relationship between Natalie and Crockett? I, you know, who knows? Uh, right. Yeah. If you have any good guesses, you know, you can, you know, text me. I can text you. I mean, this is almost like, and I mean, this is not comparing, you know, tragedies in American history in any way, shape or form. But I think back to 9-11 when a lot of shows, first responder shows in particular, had to kind of stop and reassess. And the one I always think of is Third Watch. I don't know if you guys ever watched that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a good show. I really hope yeah. it's coming to Peacock, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they were in New York, so they had to address it. So it's it's the same thing here. Is that I mean, you guys have to address it. So it's an interesting challenge. Yeah, and I you know I don't want to compare us to the other uh, you know to fire and PD, but we've got the biggest challenge. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell that to Derek. Or he's... I mean, but it's true. I'm not going to tell Derek. We're going to be exactly the same after yeah. all this. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Okay, so let's look at season five as a whole because a lot of stuff happened. So let's start with, I mean, in 501, we still had Connor and Ava. And so let's start with Ava because, wow, <laughs> she knew how to exit a series. <laughs> so her character, I mean, she started as, you know, this, this fellow who came to med from South Africa. She was Latham's kind of golden child. He picked her and everything. And then she kind of took a left turn into like horror movie villain territory. Was that always the plan with her? When was that decided? Oh, uh, Jeff. <laughs> I mean, things kind of evolved that way. Um, you know, when we when we meet before the beginning of the season, we don't plan out a whole season. Yeah. Because 20, 22 episodes is just too much to, to plan the whole thing. So we do it in, you know, in chunks. Mm -hmm. And uh 
I don't know, you know, season four, just kind of, you know, their personal relationship just kind of kept getting more tangled and it just kept getting harder untangle them <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we uh yeah it's hard to put your finger on it there were there were there were a few small decisions and once we you know got to a place where it was going to be difficult to tell stories moving forward which i think was you know what we were struggling with at the end of four is like wow you know this is really kind of knotted and messy and and it, we don't know what it's saying about you know how it's affecting connor that once it was made a decision that we were going to sever that relationship and possibly, you know, exit some characters, then it became just a question of a kind of a separate question as to what's the most effective, uh, dramatic way to actually, you know, get to that point, whether it would over the, you know, whether it was too horror movie or not. I mean, I know a lot of people responded, they responded obviously viscerally to her exit. Uh, and I think there'd probably be, you know, mixed responses as to, you know, whether it was positive or negative. Uh, there were kind of two separate, two, two, two separate, uh, decisions. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it goes all the way back to 401, right? When, uh, Ava and Connor's dad, uh, you know, the question of what, what went on, uh, in order to get Connor's hybrid room. And I think, it all sort of slowly, you know, that story took a season to tell and it, you know, kind of took these turns uh, to the point where the relationship was best ended. And of course, Connor, I mean, he hightailed it out of there afterwards and who can blame him really? Uh, <laughs> but it was made very clear in the days after the premiere aired that the door would always be open for Colin to return. And so I know you guys haven't really done a lot of planning on season six yet, but has there been any rumblings? Are we talking about it yet? Maybe, maybe not. Have you heard any rumblings? I haven't heard any rumblings. No rumblings. I mean, nothing no, wrong. you obviously don't want to, uh, you know, is there anything? Uh, yeah, there's always a possibility. Uh, but, but as Jeff mentioned earlier, I mean, we haven't even collectively spoken at all about uh season six yet yeah. yeah and so season five also brought us crockett a new character who i mean he's great but right off the bat he put himself in some hot water why didn't he tell will about the ring oh <laughs> you guys catch everything you guys <laughs> have you met us <laughs> hours of our lives were dedicated to talking about Crockett. <laughs> we, we, we spent a lot of weeks talking about this. It, uh, it, was, it, was, it was tricky. It was, uh, it was you know, partially a, a story decision because we want a lot of the drama to play out um, between Will and Natalie. And then it was also partly a character decision because, you know, we're meeting this new guy Crockett and like wanted to, you know, tell some things about who he is right off the bat. And, you know, one of his things is he sort of lets things roll off his back. He stays out a bunch of drama right in his face. And then, you know, have him kind of take a step back and say, maybe I'm not, you know, getting wrapped up in these people's business right away. So I think, I think it was a little both. 
Okay. Yeah. So is this, is this a plot point that bugs you? Or are you going to hang up here and be like, Crockett and that damn ring? <laughs> <laughs> there were some discussions. There were, there were discussions. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, um, and also, I mean, we'll circle back to Crockett in a minute because, oh, we've got so many questions. But uh, Natalie and Casey worked together in season five, episode two, and the fans picked up on a little bit of chemistry there. So was that unexpected? And if so, did you talk any further about maybe playing into it? Or were you just kind of like those crazy fans just <laughs> moving on? <laughs> it, it wasn't planned uh, on any of that or the start of anything like that. And it's, uh, you know, and, and it's in general, it's very tough to have a relationship between main cast members on different shows because you don't want to cheat fire viewers who don't watch med from you know following a good casey story and you don't want to you know vice versa so it, it becomes really tricky to try to do stuff like that so mm -hmm. it was just like a pleasant surprise <laughs> it's an unwritten rule but it's essentially written as jeff said you know to keep it's hard enough to synchronize our storylines even when we come together for these crossover events that are you know that we try to find little character moments but establishing a real you know, episode to episode relationship between cast members of different shows has kind of been really uh, discouraged, if not prohibited. But, you know, at some point, I think that rule will eventually get broken in some <laughs> respect. Okay, so let's dive into Manstead here, because wow, what a season they had, right? So Will's declaration in the mid-season finale is quite possibly the smartest thing he's ever said. But <laughs> it also seemed like a bit of a nail in the coffin for Manstead. So what do you say to the Manstead fans out there who are kind of losing hope? Do you say, you know, don't lose hope just yet? Kind of hang on. What do you say to them? I would never give up hope. Never, never. I feel like Winston Churchill on, <laughs> on the Manstead front. It's, uh, Look, nobody uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> And just for the record, nobody fights for Manstead. Am I am I wrong, Steve? Nobody no, fights Jeff for Manstead. Uh, yeah. I, no. I, I I'm a broken record. It's I, I that that's the it's the 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 core of our show. So I, I'm not giving up. As long as I'm there, I'm not giving <laughs> yeah. up. It was interesting this season to see them both apart because it, they did seem to kind of thrive. I mean, Will, when Natalie's, when he's not worried about Natalie, is just like cool, calm, collected. He's a great doctor, but when they're together, it seems like they're always butting heads. So that was interesting to see this season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I you know, I, 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 it was interesting apart. And you know, by the nature of the way the stories we tell, I will say, I can see how audience reacts to, you know, these characters because, you know, in, in striving to create as much conflict and debate and dissension on some of these cases, uh, you know, it's, you're always walking a line between like, uh, you know, being the best doctor you can and being the best relationship partner and, and uh, you know, not looking either petty or, you know, or, or less than, it's very, it's always a tricky walk. Some, you know, sometimes I think we, we, you know, walk the walk, you know, uh, that tightrope better than others. So, I, you know, I could, you know, I wish we could do nail every beat and relationships so that make both characters always uh, as um, approachable and understandable and empathetic as possible. But, you know, sometimes in order to 
to uh, maintain the tension and drama of a medical case, you know, it, it, whatever. I'm not trying to make any excuses, <laughs> but like I am. Excuses. <laughs> I'm excuses. Sometimes Natalie just has to lock herself in a room with a pediatric patient. Sometimes it's just gotta happen. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. So, and we also saw in the back half of the season, we saw Will meet Hannah, and you know they kind of developed a relationship from there. But this might be more of a question for Nick Gelfus. But something we've talked about a lot this season is: Does Will actually care about Hannah, or is he solely focused on saving her? What do you guys think? Good question. I mean, I uh, I think he does. Yeah, I you know. He obviously has that, uh, like, you know, like a lot of our doctors do have that kind of hero complex that's, that's baked into the cake. And, uh, you know, certainly with uh, Natalie, for example, he, he felt the opposite that, you know, there was a sense of her uh, completeness or like she had a life, you know, beyond that he, maybe she didn't need him enough because she was kind of self-sufficient, even in her, you know, loss, even in her, you know, being a widow and having a kid. It never really played as like so you know she never really needed him probably as much as he wanted uh, to be needed and so now he's found himself with a with with someone who you know it, it, whether she's stating it or not he feels that he can fill that void and that obviously is going to create tension in their relationship but so while that might be a uh, you know something that he's looking for I, I do think he's at the same time uh, you know accrued some you know really sincere feelings and, and to a large extent I think there's a there's a large part of their relationship that is health that that can be healthy mm -hmm. uh, for him in particular if if he can you know if he can nurture that in the right way. And so we also got a couple questions about Elsa actually. Answer. All right. <laughs> Would you say Jeff? Elsa. <laughs> Would I love you say? Elsa. We do too. We do too. So she's she's got a little bit of a following. We got a couple questions about her as well. And so um, a couple of our listeners are interested. They want to know, since Elsa was in her last year of medical school this season, will the, the, the production shutdown, the quarantine, all of it, will that impact her ability to return? These are excellent questions. You know, the, the actress is super talented and uh, you know, has got her other show and then was starting a Broadway, some, some kind of play, right? She was... Uh, yeah, um, she was, a, she was hard. I mean, we love her. I think the show loves using her, you know, just as a person, as an actress, as a character, across the board. It was always, uh, you know, we were, it was always dependent upon her. You know, she's incredibly uh, um, well sought after and we were balancing you know her other commitments and mm -hmm. I'm sure that will continue on in the future but I, it's you know I, I don't think she probably doesn't know you know what her schedule looks is going to look like either if we can use her I think across the board uh, we would use her as much as we can get her really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she's so I mean she's, yeah every episode she's in she gives you that the voice of inexperience but uh yeah, well, well, what's the earnestness that, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's fun every time, sorry. Yeah. So, so does that mean, I mean, with that said then, that, you know, it's kind of dependent upon Molly Bernard's schedule, was her crush on Will, was that always intended to be just a schoolgirl kind of crush, or was there ever a plan to maybe see what that could develop into? 
I don't think we talked that seriously about it. I think it was, I think it was always mostly schoolgirl, okay. um, probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, 503 or 504, it was one of the first couple of episodes, but we had the infection crossover, which, I mean, at this point in time, is it a little eerie to look back on that, kind of given the third circumstances? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the world saw Chicago Med and, and made it happen. Usually we ripped from the headlines, but this time the headlines <laughs> ripped from us, right? They, 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 they stole our plot. I want to know who in the writer's room had the crystal ball. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to know. What is the planning life for that from a writing perspective? I mean, do you guys all break stories together or do you break your respective hour and then just kind of iron out transitions? What is that like? I'll tell you about the crossover. <laughs> <laughs> please, please do. The answer is all of the above. <laughs> last, we were talking about last May or something like that and we had a whole different crossover and it was a completely different story and we wrote it and we had three episodes written and it was the like culmination of I don't know, a month or two of, of planning and then at the last minute we had there were some difficulties with some of the actors that we wanted to get for it and 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 uh, contractual sorts of things then it all kind of fell apart and then there was this void where you know luckily Derek had this idea and my understanding is that he was sitting at a dinner with Dick and Dick down and, and uh, just wrote and wrote and wrote and, and you know, kind of came up with this whole thing. And then it was, you know, after he did it all, it was sort of sent to the different shows and then molded into each of the shows, you know, voice yeah. and perspective and, and, and whatever. So it was sort of, that was a different way of doing the crossover than we ever did it before. Derek deserves all that. Like, it was a Hercule. I don't even know how he does what he does. He's like... He's got, you know, he's got the vision and he knows the shows. I mean, not the shows, you know, each individual show as granular, but he knows the ethos of the franchise of the one Chicago world so well. And he can work so fast. I mean, he wrote three hours of television, like almost overnight, it felt like. <laughs> uh, and then it was, that, you know, from there, that was like gave us this, the, 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 outline of the structure and then you know obviously the devil's in the details and making all those things work and this get you know there's such a huge scale across the board um but yeah derek derek uh, i still amazed at like what he accomplished in in a very short period of time yeah, yeah. i mean he, he cut through a lot of <laughs> a lot of unnecessary meetings and <laughs> discussion yeah. And he just got it done. It was, yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so we did an episode a while back ranking our top 10 favorite crossovers. And for both me and Brian, Infection was our number one pick. And so did anything about that crossover feel different? Like, did you know this was a little bit more special or kind of a little bit grander in scale than the other crossovers? Or did this just feel like just another one? No, I mean, this, I mean, I, I've got a lot of things to say about crossovers. Jeff <laughs> is usually <laughs> in our crossover <laughs> year, uh, went into it. <laughs> I, uh, well, I mean, this year, what was different is we went into it, like, uh, you know, Dick and, uh, and, and Peter, one of the other executive producers, you know, Dick's, Dick's guy, um, uh, went into it saying, we want this to be a three-hour movie. And 
you know, there, there were there were there was talk about not even putting the the title cards on the shows or even differentiating and just go straight through. And from the beginning, that was the the goal. And it's you know it's you know that's what it is. But like, it really main characters, all of whom are going on a little journey that you have to tell. And that is an unbelievable. You know, people spend years writing an hour and forty five minute movie with three characters. And you know, to to do this, it was when we heard that that was the task. We we're not sure it could be done. And like the, the fact that it got done, it really was a special and different thing than we've ever done before. It was, it was, like, it was remarkable. We should also tip our hat to Gwen and PD, uh, mm -hmm. who like Derek did a, did a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Gwen's written some really powerful PD episodes this year as well. So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, she's, a, she's, a, she's a rock star. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's great. That's great. Um, moving over to Ethan and April, uh, we have spent many, many episodes this season kind of dissecting them and, you know, talking about them because, wow, they, they went through it this season. So, okay, we, we know what we think is their biggest problem. What do you guys think is their biggest problem as a couple? Hmm. Uh, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> I know we talk. It feels like we had we've had these discussions. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just literally. I didn't mean to throw it to you, Jeff, but I did. But uh, <laughs> but I'm just trying. To, I'm just trying to catch up. I had a little uh, Alzheimer's moment because I know we've had these. We had these discussions. That feels like a, it feels like now, like three years ago. <laughs> it's it's been going on. This has been going on for a while. I I, I think I, I think last time we said uh, the same thing. I'm about to say again, which is. Uh, uh, they're so similar, the kind of people they are. Yeah, doctrinaire or, uh, uh, you know, rigid, there's a rigidity uh, I, right? to, their, mm -hmm. to their worldviews, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that when they're in sync, you know, is, is kind of a force multiplier, mm -hmm. but it makes, I think, it very brittle, you know, in, a, in, a, in, in, in their give and like, the, you know, because there's their, 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 their core beings is just like, you know, they're, they're there's not a lot of give right. in, in either one. And so when they do get into conflict, it's just like steel, you know, against steel. And uh, as much, you know, as often as they'll, as they'll yield and bend after they get into a fight, it, you know, it's very, it doesn't seem to seep totally into their DNA. It's like a lesson uh, that they're constantly relearning. So, I mean, where do they go from here? Is there a yield and bend this time or? I mean, was April kissing Crockett, was that like the, the straw that broke the camel's back? It's certainly been underlying, you know, this backbeat all year that, that Ethan just, you know, it's hard to shake um, in his mind. Um, I wish I could answer that question. I mean, we were going to tell a story in the last three episodes uh, that was going to come, uh, you know, it was going to bring a lot of things to the head. And so I, so I really, I honestly don't know how to, how to answer it, to be honest. It was a good story. <laughs> you guys would have liked it. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that means they maybe would have come back together. Uh, maybe. 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 
Yeah. Uh, we also had Maggie, and season five was so perfect for Maggie. Uh, you know, she finally found all the happiness that she deserves, and I mean, we all know Maggie deserves the world, so that's great. Okay, so should we expect more of the same in season six, or should we just, like, grab her and bubble wrap her and hide her away from you guys? <laughs> I mean, I hope we get more of that in season six. It's, uh, I, she's so uh, infectious that like you 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 love to see her happy right it's just uh, you know her husband ben is uh he's a like a wonderful actor and a great guy and uh they just have this very sweet thing together so i you know i don't see any reason not to keep telling some good stories with maggie mm -hmm. uh you know we haven't talked about it but that's certainly the hope because i think she lights up the screen every time you see her yeah yeah and the current situation even begs the question of is she even working right now is she even able to work because she's immunocompromised these are the things that we fans think of when our shows get cut short early <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah all right get on that jeff yeah i was gonna <laughs> so um, oh that has to be obviously be contextualized and you know and uh uh yeah i mean she's probably as we, as we said when we started talking, I mean, it's like this is going to affect everyone's lives, but she's got, you know, she's got a, she's not only got herself, I mean, she's got a, a, a husband who's also immunocompromised. And like, you know, how do you make those trade offs, which we've been watching, mm -hmm. you know, the, all these frontline workers, especially in the medical field, have to make, you know, for themselves and their families. And, uh, you know, Maggie will certainly be one of these characters who will be. I can, I'm just predicting, like you said, we'll be struggling with, with those kind of trade-offs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Circling back to Crockett, the first question that I wanted to know, because this is super important, is who named him? That's a really interesting name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to tell the story? Please, please do. <laughs> I believe there was a, was it an, uh, a, a limo driver yes. or Uber driver that Andy and Diane yes. had, uh, I can't remember if it was in Chicago or in LA, but in one of their commutes back and forth to the set and from the airport, there was, they had a driver uh, with the first name uh, Crockett. And they yeah, just- The Cajun guy from Louisiana, right? Yeah. They, they were like, this guy's a character. Yeah. It's not Is the it? first time we've gotten a story from a, from a, uh, one of the drivers. Well, I don't know the first time, I, I can tell one story. <laughs> I, I had a driver and we ended up using it a story with Maggie and Stoll where there was a, a patient that, oh, uh, her previous boyfriend was, you know, was gonna take him to, uh, was gonna take a patient and deliver him back home. And then there was the, the, the gangbangers who had shot him and put him in the hospital and originally released where he didn't feel comfortable transporting him back brought him back to the hospital and Maggie and Stoll ended up in a conflict over, you know, what to do. Yeah. This patient, I, I can't remember, maybe season three. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, that was a story that a, uh, a driver who had been a, uh, a paramedic told me once during uh, a commute. So, you know, we'll take them from, <laughs> take them from anywhere. That's cool. So, okay. So we learned the heartbreaking story about Crockett's daughter in the finale. Will we learn any more backstory in season six? Now, granted, I know you guys don't really know anything about season six at this point, but do you imagine that we will? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that was a lot of atten- a lot of attention in the writers' room and and behind the scenes, and hopefully came across, you know, as you're watching Crockett was exactly in this detail. Like, you've got this guy who's kind of a mystery man, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 you know, uh, so part of the the attraction is that he's he's not gonna he's not with he's very restrained and he's not oversharing. You know, and he maintains that veal uh, and shroud of intrigue and mystery. At the same time, you're hungry for, you know, what are those secrets? And, you know, one, one thing that we tried, that was a kind of a, a, a rule or precept in this season was not, you know, Crockett is not a guy who is going to, you know, look for sympathy, you know, is not a guy who wants to use, like, he's the man, he's the man of, you know, Gary Cooper. He's very, like, old school guy doesn't want your sympathy he doesn't want to traffic in in those kinds of emotions so uh, it was hard it was hard to you know get that out from him but you know hopefully but we well at the same time we're sensing that the audience is thirsty you know we kept dropping little hints that there was obviously something you know Mm -hmm. he's he's who he is and he's a tv character (laughs) and so i can imagine moving forward that that will that will start you know he's got a wife out there um I, I I can't predict, but I I'm, I know these are things that that we've talked about, and I'm sure we'll. So Crockett's married. Oh well, well he had the the, the mother of his child. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I don't know. Do we did we determine they were married, right? Or I don't even know if we determined. Uh, there's a woman out there who was the mother of his child who's the you suffered the, collective you tragedy episode, together. <laughs> it might have been a. Virgin birth? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We, we, we got... We, um, but no, yeah, no. It, I mean, yeah. uh, you, again, if you guys have any ideas. Do we have any ideas? We're, <laughs> we're, we're open. That's funny. Okay, so Crockett and Natalie. This has been kind of a hot button topic between the two of us. So what was the plan or the intention with Crockett and April and Natalie this season? Was it to form a love triangle? Were we trying to establish Natalie as an ally? What were we trying to do here? I think with Natalie and Crockett, the idea was more the the thing was sort of an in-the-moment attraction kind of thing, and it was just as much about what April sort of needed at that point in time in regards to Ethan and Crockett happened to be the person who was there. So I think that is a little more about what that was. And the Crockett, Natalie was more of a, uh, uh, you know, two, uh, two people sort of finding each other, uh, you know, along this longer path and, and maybe having some sort of deeper understanding about each other from, uh, you know, going through these things together, the kidnapping. Yeah. She's, I think, the only one still who knows about his... Uh, right. I, I can't remember in, in 20. She, she's the only yeah, she one who knows, the one, right? She, she was the only one who uh, found out. <laughs> right. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, they're, they're, they're you know, obviously to attractive people and there's a lot of things that would, you know, that they, they, that could make them a great couple at the same time, you know, they, they certainly wouldn't pick each other out of a, and go, Oh, that's the person I should be with. I mean, she represents a lot of the things that Crockett is probably either consciously or subconsciously trying to avoid. 
you know, he's been trying to roll, like be a rolling stone and really tread lightly and not get too deep into anything as, you know, and we can start contextualizing that based on, you know, what, what we learned a little bit about his personal history. So Natalie represents kind of like the opposite. Like we've never seen her in a relationship. It doesn't go from like, you know, zero to like a real a thing very quickly. Yeah. You know, and vice versa, you know, he's, is he, you know, she's got a kid to worry about and, and, and other things is just like, is he the right partner? Um, you know, Unless, I, that's Natalie rep. Does Natalie represent the thing that Crockett lost? And subconsciously, he's been looking for Natalie all along, and he's been trying to be a rolling stone, but deep inside, he's really a very still stone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that's going to be a lot, big part of uh, season six, yeah. Uh, Dr. Charles also had a couple things going on. Um, Okay, so Cece, I mean, she was so great. Why did we have to, like, why'd she have to go? Why did we have to take her away? She was so great. She was. I mean, they, their chemistry was really good. Fantastic, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Why did we do that, Jeff? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, cancer, it's, it's, uh, well, I think, yeah, I mean, when, when we brought her on, it was always with the understanding. Uh, she was that, set on uh, for an arc, yeah. Yeah, and that, you know, she would be there more to, I don't know, reawaken Dr. Charles a little bit. So now that we've got his daughter back in the picture, uh, who who also is a seems like a great actress and and uh, I, I think brings a lot of good stuff to his character. Um, I'm hoping that we get to have her back in season six and and keep telling the story because I like him together. Yeah, and so do you think that was? Do you think the C, the whole thing with Cece was? Do you think that's what makes it the right time to bring Anna back into the picture? Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, we've always had, you know, he's been married so many times. I can't, I've, I've kind of lost count and we've, we've met a couple, but like, uh, you know, I think over, over the course of our five seasons, you know, we've hit w- between Robin and his relationship with, uh, with Sarah. And, you know, a little bit, we see that with uh, uh, Elsa, you know, putting, putting uh, Dr. Charles and Oliver in particular, it always has a nice, you know, reg- register with his character because he's, uh, you know, see that, you just get into that shell of, of a guy. It always brings out such great colors to, you know, to his performance. And, you know, the more we can lean on, uh, on Oliver, obviously, you know, I, I don't know. How do you feel? How do you, you got, I mean, I don't want to put you in the spot because all of us watching this. But I like, doubt it. We've, we've never met Oliver. He probably does not even know about the podcast. <laughs> he watches more stuff than you. I mean, he's, he's a little Twitter fiend. That's funny. That's funny. How do we feel about Oliver? Is that what you were yeah. asking? Oh, yeah. I think he's so talented without having seen, I, I mean, I admittedly am not familiar with his whole body of work. Obviously, I just mostly know him from Chicago Med, but he's so talented that I, I feel like he could literally act any day. You could hand him the dictionary and he'd probably act it out and it would be great. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we all, we'll use any excuse to try to get, you know, more, more scenes. Mm-hmm. Med hit its 100th episode this season and you got the three season renewal. Congratulations on that, by the way. 
Both of you guys have been part of the show since it began. So what does it mean to you to be part of the show that has hit so many milestones in one season? It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a dream come true. I mean, it's 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 like a it's like a big family, and uh, it, they could not be nicer or more talented people. And uh, you know, I never told Steve this, so I don't want I don't want him to get teary right here. But it's uh, you know, it's 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 been the best five years. Yeah, it really has been. I mean, behind the scenes. Uh, is just great, you know, from top to bottom, everyone. Uh, it's such a, you know, besides the cast and the crew and the stories we're telling, but, you know, up to, you know, Dick and Peter and Derek and everyone, it's just, uh, it's, they make, they make it so easy and warm place to just keep coming back to. And, uh, you know, I'll never, uh, yeah, it's been an incredible experience. And, but I will say, uh, and Jeff can testify this. Like, I've been on a lot of shows. Like, I've been on a lot of shows that didn't get past the first season. Mm -hmm. Too many to count. <laughs> and when we were starting trying to figure out what the show was, this had all the felt like the recipe for that. And I would sit there and talk to Jeff, and I'd be like, "I've seen this play out. I know, we're, we're not gonna get." past the first episode because you know just trying to figure it out so i'm wrong i was wrong <laughs> but like in the and best possible way right the best possible way yeah my predictive power sometimes just just for the record steve can sometimes see the the glass is half empty <laughs> so steve how are you feeling during the infection crossover about the future <laughs> <laughs> i will i i was i i I get into the dark web and like in January or February, I was, Jeff sits in the next office mm -hmm. and I'm like, what's coronavirus? And he's a doctor and he was just like, it's not just like the flu. And I was just like, does it sound like the flu? <laughs> Guys, that's about all I've got for you. Thank you so much for coming back. I am amazed that we haven't scared y'all away yet. You're the best. Um, but where can we find you guys on social media? Oh. <laughs> yeah, Steve, we got to work on you. We got to get you on social media. I know, first and I know, I know, I know. I'm going to dust off my Twitter. Uh, I know it exists somewhere. <laughs> I'll follow you. I'll be your, I'll be your, your third follower. We'll okay. follow you, yeah. We might already, who knows. I'll dust that off this year. Yeah, right. yeah, you should, you should. So, Jeff, where can we find you on social media? I mean, we all know, but just in case we don't know. Sure. I, uh, let's see. My Twitter is at TV underscore MD. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. There you go. <laughs> and that's, and that's all I got. That's, uh, that's it. Like I said, I, I like quarantining. I'm not very social. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you breaking your uh, antisocial rule to come talk to us. So <laughs> we appreciate that. And Steve, we'll work on, we'll work on getting you back on Twitter and everything. It, it's, it's not that bad of a place. I promise. <laughs> 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 well, cool. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Bye. 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 That's about all we've got. Another, uh, once again, a big thank you to Jeff and Steve for coming on. Again, it just blows my mind that we haven't scared them away after almost three years of doing the podcast, but um, they've both been so wonderful since we started. So, big, big thank you to them for coming on. 
Um, that's about all we've got for today. So as always, you guys know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. We're all over social media. Meet us at Molly's everywhere. Uh, meet us at Molly's gmail.com. You can DM us, email us, however you want to get it to us. I mean, we're around. We're around. I mean, it's not like we're leaving the house anytime soon. So, um, you can follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Perry, where are all of the places we can find you on social media? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and it's all at Perry D. Seraphine. Uh, yeah. Do I need to spell it? Yeah, you uh, probably do. You can't find me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's Perry, P-E-R-R-Y-E-D-S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N. Beautiful. Perfect. Perry, thank you so much for coming on with me tonight. This was so much fun. I missed you, my friend. Oh, thank you. It was really fun. Yeah. We should do it again. We if should you totally want do it again. <laughs> yes, we should totally do it again. So um, normal schedule going forward. If anything changes, I mean, not, not like anything's normal these days, right? Um, we've got a little bit of an experiment planned for you next week. So um, I'll have more information about that later. But yeah, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, I mean, you've, you've, been on with us this long you've listened to us ramble about will for this long um if you could please 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 leave us a rating and review on itunes oh my god we would so greatly appreciate that but yeah other than that that is about all we've got so everybody have a good weekend and we will see you next week bye